you wanted the best, you got the best. In strong language and adult content, the hottest podcast in the world. Slowly, we rock. Hey everyone, welcome to Slowly We Rock, Metal's funnest and dumbest podcast. Here for all of your usual stupid banter about hard rock, heavy metal, classic rock, dad rock, all sorts of obscure genres. Not so much today, not so much... Stupid? 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 We're not stupid, Jim, we're journalists. Oh mate, after that Limp Bizkit episode, like... We can never, ever call anything we do intellectual. Um, yeah, it was fearless, that episode. Yeah. In fact, that, the episode, we did such a deep dive on Limp Biscuit and later Faith No More. That I think we've been all out music for a little bit and we need to maybe focus on something else. So this week we are getting <laughs> our comic book hats In two off. episodes. Yeah. We're- two music themed <laughs> episodes. <laughs> so we are putting on, we're slipping on our Infinity Gauntlets and we are talking... Uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So anyone who came here for some musical talk, you can have to wait till next week till we talk about ACDC and uh, David Coverdale <laughs> from Wednesday <West Bay. laughs> <laughs> and what Axl Rose is up to and uh, stuff like that. Sorry, just had to take a break from the normal schedule because uh, we are going to talk Marvel. Um, first things first, I'm your host, James. Uh, welcome aboard. Uh, I'm going to go around the room because we have a special guest today. Uh, yes, that's right. <gasps> I know. Ooh. Whoa. Yeah, it's a kind of a team up, you see. Uh, the normal heroes have had to team up with like some kind of cool new hero uh, who's just appeared, and then they're going to get a spin off movie later down the line. Then for the next film, we'll be like, oh, cool. Now I know what that hero is all about, that kind of thing. You yeah. know? This, this special guest is the person you have to explain to your mum who they are when you've watched a Marvel film. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and you're like that's very important. This person, mm. here's who he is. Yeah, and then there was a great storyline where he died, but then he didn't actually die. He was uh, trapped in time, and then he came back again. Yeah. Uh, so just going around the room, I'm joined as usual by Lewis. Hello. Uh, by Dan. Hello. And by our special guest Sam from Game Fix Podcast. Gaming Fix Podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sometimes um, I try and be on Gaming Fix as much as I can, but um, I am the, the the permanent host of Comic Book Fix, which is a semi-new show that is currently on a month-plus hiatus. But we are coming back. Jim actually has already guested on an episode of it. Yeah, I amazing. Have, yeah. So this really is like a crossover. Yeah, Crisis on Inf- Infinite Podcasts. If anything, when you listen to the comic fix podcast you'll be like you want to check out the slowly we rock podcast for jim's origin story yep <laughs> yes <laughs> that's your origin story yeah um my parents were gunned down in the street by me as i traveled back in time that's the twist <laughs> i wish you said before to? we started recording that is terrible news <laughs> <laughs> oh, i feel awful how are we gonna do an episode now <laughs> um, also i forgot i forgot to do um comic book pun names for you guys as well but i would have done iron dan and um I'll take it probably uh blakey barnes okay yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. that's a good and, one and um yeah bat sam there we go nailed it 
Spider Sam. No. Uh, no, no, no yeah, say no. I think you find Batman is actually a DC Comics property. <laughs> <laughs> because it's always really fun when people do that. Yeah. Um, because like a weird. So before we get into the MCU talk, like a bit of a weird pet peeve for me is when someone actually says, "I love Marvel." They go, "Oh yeah, yeah. What's your favorite Marvel movie?" And I go, um, "Probably X Men 2. <laughs> and, and I'm like, no one's ever said that though. Like, no one's yeah. out here going like, "Oh <laughs> or yeah, like, X Men Two. Or, or like, or the last I stand. probably did when it came out, but not obviously since all the other movies have been out yeah. since but 2008. Or like, I love Deadpool. I'm like, well, technically you're not wrong. That is a Marvel movie. He's not <laughs> <character."> <laughs> You put some glasses on just so you can push from the bridge of your nose. I was yeah. talking about the studio, actually. I looked on the back, you have the production company in the shared cinematic universe. <laughs> Wait, come back. Where are you going? <laughs> yeah, so uh, I thought, like, um, yes, yeah, I mean, I, this is usually when we talk about bands, we do like a little bit of a biography. I cannot imagine there is a single person listening who doesn't know what the Marvel Cinematic Universe is. No, I mean, I don't think this would be a good place to start either. To be <laughs> honest. Uh, <laughs> Let us know. If, if oh, that's it could you. be, actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let me bring on my uh, our second special guest, Kevin Feige. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what? He's taking his hat off. Jesus. <laughs> oh, no, put it back on, Kevin. Put it back on. <laughs> he's got just an infinity gauntlet under there, the whole thing. <laughs> just his head's embedded with the gems. <laughs> And he keeps trying to snap his fingers, but he can't quite get it right. No. He has to raise his eyebrows really quickly and hope it. Yeah, <laughs> imagine, imagine if you haven't, if you have no uh, knowledge of the MCU in the slightest, just that brief bit of chat. We had, like, what the <laughs> fuck are these guys talking about? <laughs> <laughs> someone's got would... a giant whiteboard with "always wears hat" written on it? Question mark. <laughs> but I wonder, like, Conspiracy. There's got to be a lot of people who probably don't care about like the production side of it. Uh, but like deep buried in their subconscious is the name Kevin Feige because they've seen it on the credits so many times and they'll probably mm. like have dreams about someone called Kevin Feige but they'll have no idea who that person actually is. It's just like <laughs> burrowed their way into the subconscious. The baseball cat man will visit you this evening. Most of the wears a baseball cat because he never... And if, if you... If you want you to defeat to... him, you have to pull him into the real world. Yeah, you have to make a copy of Iron Man and someone else has to watch it within seven days. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, he'll come through your TV set. Um, so, yeah, I thought we'd start off with a quick discussion about what is our, our, what are our favourite movies uh, in the MCU. So, MCU's been going, what, like 12 years now? Uh, there is... How many movies are there, Sam? 23. 23 movies with nice. 24 on its way in a couple of months of Black Widow, right? Would have been yeah. 25 by now as well, wouldn't it? Because I think Shang-Chi would have been out. And if we hadn't Eternals, had we'd have been on 26 if it hadn't been Crazy. the pandemic. Yeah, actually, Doctor Strange would have been out now. Doctor Strange 2 would have ju- about just about to have come out. Oh, man. So it was meant to be WandaVision and then like two weeks later, Doctor Strange 2. That was the yes. original plan. And not just a Doctor Strange film, a Sam Raimi Doctor Strange yeah. film. That's just so exciting to think about. Uh, yeah, so do, excited. Do you know what I realise as well? Because when did Doctor Strange 1 come out? 2018? 17. Uh, I think so. 2017? 16. Ooh. Wait, was it? Were we just taking guess? Was it actually 2016? No, I've got the Two, list up on my screen. Okay, it's November right. 4th, Jim. November 4th, 2016. <laughs> that means it's been nearly five years since we saw the end credits where... 
Tweslide before was like torturing that dude and just like was basically going to say uh, Benjamin oh. Bright, isn't it? Yeah, and he's just like, <laughs> I'm going to go around like murdering every single magic user, and yeah. no one's mentioned him in five years. <laughs> he doesn't just torture him, does he? He takes away he takes away his ability to walk, doesn't he? Yeah, he just drains it from him. Totally. Well, may- maybe he just got snapped. <laughs> like, but then he'd be, back there. he'd be back then. And he's probably just going to pick up where he left off. <laughs> but they've got some big questions they've got to answer. Um, but we're talking about future Marvel. Let's look back on the 20-something movies and kind of go through our, our top five. So before we started, I challenged you all. Not really a challenge, it's kind of a privilege because there's so many good films. But mm. uh, I tasked you all with coming up with what your top five Marvel movies are. Um... It doesn't, you know, I, I should have said this in advance, uh, but it doesn't really have to be your like com- perfect order favorite, you know. Uh, I, just I never of, order just stuff. Just a general top really? yeah. five. I, I, yeah. I hate ranking stuff, so. Oh, I spent hours on this. <laughs> <laughs> Arguments for each one. Yeah, whatever you do say, though, will be canonized as your official favorite. Um, yeah. For Dark World Gnomes. You can't watch the others. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, they'll, they'll be snapped out of existence. Um, so, Lewis, I'm going to start with you because you're on, on the left of my screen. All right, do you, want, do you want me to go through all five? Do it, yeah. So I set myself slightly different criteria than you asked for. You've got uh, Deadpool, <laughs> Logan, X-Men 2, Spider-Man 3, <laughs> Star Wars Rogue so, One, <laughs> So I wanted to, I, like, I would easily say uh, Infinity War and Endgame, because it was just the perfect end to that whole... Game. Yeah, it was it was great. Yeah, uh, but I th- I think it's kind of too easy an answer, and it's I don't know. I want to avoid like the cr- the big crossovers because I think the real payoff for those films being so great is they're amazing standalone films, but they're so good because of everything else that's come before and after. Mm. Um, so I've tried to keep it to more individual films, right? Uh, so number one, X Men Two. <laughs> no, uh, X Two United. X Men United, isn't it? <laughs> it's actually, that's actually what it's called, that, is it? But I tell you what, the attack on the mansion is really good. I thought it was X Two. Oh, it was X Two United. X Two X Men United. I think in the US. Oh my god! Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> that's a terrible so, title. <laughs> so, uh, easy pick was Thor Ragnarok. Mm. That is on my list as well. It's on mine as well. And mine. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's on all of our list. It's well, the this... only good solo Thor movie, like truly good solo Thor movie. I re- yeah, I will say yeah. I do think Dark World gets too much um, stick. Um, yeah, I agree. I yeah. think like the finale, the finale fight is excellent with the portals and the um, going Loads through the dimensions. And there's lots of good bits in it. But yeah, Ragnarok is just it's fun. Yeah. Sorry, Lewis. Do you want to? Let's let's if if we're all going to cover it anyway. Let's. That's let's true. Yeah, I... yeah. Go on, mm-hmm. yeah, we're all going to cover it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I I was not. I was. I remember seeing Thor one, just being excited by the novelty of, hey, we're getting this connected universe, and then planting the seeds. You know, um, mm. seeing um, Hawkeye in the shadows, which is probably where <laughs> they should have kept it. Who's this sleeveless man? <laughs> <laughs> It's powers. He has those sleeves. Fantastic. Um, and a beautiful voice. <laughs> and his own social media app. Um, what, what a crazy ability. What what he'll bring to the team. Um, yeah, and uh, but starting to see, and also the fact that you know, maybe what was it three or four films in? Very early on, they're like, mm. right, we're going to Asgard. We're going to bring in the Bifrost. We're going to get like a little bit weird with this kind of thing. Um, because Iron Man One is you know. 
it's not not it's, it's pretty grounded actually when you think about it mm-hmm. like I am but even when it, when it came out um you know, it, it wasn't a million miles away from like obviously tonally it's quite different to like say the dark knight which came out the yeah. same summer as but mm-hmm. thematically it's like hey we're seeing him put together a suit you know we're seeing like the kind of human side of him it felt very very grounded compared to a lot of superheroes before and then four straight away he was like you know off to like the fantastical elements but there was just the sudden about it never quite clicked for me for those first couple of movies and ragnarok just absolutely nailed it. I think a big part of it is the fact that Chris Hemsworth is really fucking funny. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. dude's handsome as hell. He could be a handsome leading man, but he's an absolute goofball and he's so good at just being like a male bimbo. Like, he's, yeah. a, he's a, a perfect himbo actor. I think he's so funny in the new Ghostbusters movie when he's, we- he's wearing glasses <laughs> with no lenses and he pushes, he like scratches his yeah. eye through the glasses. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah. He's great in that. Yeah, I just think, to me, uh, that was the, yeah, the best. And I think also, they kind of have like a little bit of a normal MC, okay, God bring him Doctor Strange, set up the villain, that kind of thing. But once it kind of gets out of the way and goes, right, now we're going to do like our Thor movie, and he ends up on like the planet, and like the fish out of water stuff as well, where he's completely out of his element, that's when it, you know, it really, really gets fun. Yeah, I love that movie. And I, th- I think as well, it, it was nice not to be like, oh, we just need to do stuff on Earth. But like you've got a whole film where Thor doesn't visit Earth once, uh, mm. and it looks like its own thing. It's it, each planet feels totally different, and it feels mm. way more comic book. It feels uh, like all the goodness of comic books. Actually, does he, he doesn't go to Earth, does he? Oh, he fucking does, doesn't yeah, he? He goes, he goes to, to the Sanctuary, doesn't he? That's um, fine. And he goes to Norway. He goes looking for like Anthony Hopkins. He's like a homeless dude. Anthony Hopkins has like the Ian Beale moment where he becomes homeless and deranged for a bit. <laughs> he phones it in though, even though he, said that he really, he never saw a real set. That's all green screen. But um, the, the other thing I think is important about Ragnarok is that before that, Chris Hensworth was pretty much um, looking to get yeah. out the whole deal. He hated really? previous films. Yeah. And it was this change of direction. I think that's why it's such a radical change in the style of films is because Chris Hensworth was sort of yeah, he was actually looking to get out of it from after Dark World, I think. He just wasn't enjoying it whatsoever. Um, but then they made a lot of changes to accommodate him, which, in, which are really good and really work really well. But that's like why his costume completely changes to be something... Because he doesn't really have the big chainmail arms anymore, stuff yeah. like that, for instance. And obviously he has for haircuts, so he doesn't have to worry about wearing wigs every day. Um, but no, it is all stuff like that, I think. And obviously his character's a lot more to his strengths as an actor now as well. And they utilised him. They actually utilised Chris Hemsworth, right? Yeah. It, and otherwise, anyone could have played Thor in those first two films. Like, Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, Liam, think... Liam Hemsworth was probably, you know, waiting on the phone call. <laughs> yeah. He did audition for it, didn't he? He did. Uh, Liam, but um, Chris got it. And that was why they got the other Hemsworth brother to play fake Thor in Ragnarok. Gummer yeah. Hemsworth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, just to piss off Liam. I love that. Um, plus, special shout out as well. Uh, upon first watching that film, the when it uh, the, the start when they first use the immigrant song, I was like, mm. "This is the coolest fucking use of the immigrant song ever." Absolutely. And yeah. then they outdo themselves at the end. It's, it's the best two uses of the immigrant song ever in the same film. And it, that's why it, it's absolutely in my top five. It's fantastic. No, that's a good call. Um, very fun. Um, Sam, we'll go around the room. Number five. Yeah. All right. Uh, my number five is uh, probably one that I don't think anyone else is going to have. 
uh, is Ant-Man and the Wasp. That was my number six. Okay. I, uh, I uh, love the Ant-Man it, movies. It almost made my list as well. I I love the Ant-Man movies. Uh, Walton Goggins is in this one as an arms dealer. Um, I hope he gets some more action in future because he's extremely funny. Um, Luis yeah. is, is great. Michael Pena. Um, yeah. And just like uh, the chemistry in the whole cast is really good. Um, yeah. And just, you know, Paul Rudd can't, can't knock it. Also, Ant-Man's no. a really funny character. The fact that there's been two Ant-Man movies is very funny to me. <laughs> yeah. Like, Ant-Man can't sustain, sustain a comic book. Like, it gets cancelled <laughs> all the time. <laughs> but he's had two major motion pictures. It's, it's, and it's nice that there's they're not, like, with everything else that happens in the MCU, everything is a, like an end-of-the-universe threat, right? All the time. Mm. And Ant-Man's not, and it's just really nice to have that departure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it always feels different. The fact that like it's set in San Francisco as well, whereas most of them set like yeah, New York, kind of mm. Washington, sort of the tri-state area. Yeah. It, it just gives it a different feel, and it it they do a really good job of kind of capturing the city in it as well. Like mm-hmm. in the um, by the second one, the showdown happening down at Fisherman's Wharf, look like yeah. little stuff like that. It just it it feels like um, it feels like its own thing in a really good way. And I, I agree with like the small stakes as well. Like, hey, it's just about this dude. Like, like no yes, pun intended. Like, <laughs> hey, there's like obviously big like oh, if uh, <laughs> this dude gets hold of this X, Y, and Z, is going to happen. But ultimately, it all comes down to this guy kind of trying to impress his daughter, you know. Yeah, and I think they do a really, really good job with both of those films of um, the like size stuff, making stuff small, making stuff big. Because I know we're talking about the second one, but there's that amazing shot at the end of the first one where it's. The finale is set in his daughter's bedroom, <laughs> yeah. but they're tiny. Yeah. And there's like a massive toy train going off and he's about to crush them. It's a giant uh, I mean, it just, tank engine. Yeah, <laughs> it, just cuts to, it just cuts to a wide shot of a normal sized bedroom and it's just like a little train sort of bobbling over on the side. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I love those films. I think the second one's really great. I think it's really refreshing, that one, because it doesn't have... Um, the villain isn't just a different version of Ant-Man. Yeah. Like a lot of the Marvel films, they tend to, like especially the first Ant Man did it. They always tend to just have like an evil version of that hero. So you get like mm. Iron Monger and you get like Loki and Red you know, Skull. Whereas, yeah, 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 precisely like a, a evil super soldier. Whereas Red Skull has a lot of swords, so or a shield. So, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. um, he's just got a gun. <laughs> and the person that you think is a villain to start with isn't really at all. Hmm. Um. She's just not been as lucky as the others with the experiments that have been going on. Um, and it's got a really good dick joke in it as well, where yep. <laughs> he, he and uh, Lawrence Fishburne start comparing sizes about how big they got. <laughs> while um, while um, Evangeline Lilly just rolls her eyes in the background. <laughs> uh, I really like the bit where he has to sneak into his daughter's school and he's like two-thirds sized. And he's just <laughs> yeah. a giant hoodie. He's like flopping the hoodie arms around as he runs around. Oh, it's so good. There's so much good visual comedy in those films. That's another one which, well, Ant-Man 1 in particular had such, I wouldn't say troubled, but obviously it was meant to be Edgar Wright's Ant-Man. Yeah. Yep. And um, he was, it was Edgar Wright making a Marvel movie. I think that was really exciting for a lot of people because see, one of the kind of criticisms of Marvel is, you know, they deliberately, I think it's really impressive in a way that they have that consistency all the way through the movies. But mm. you don't necessarily get like the directorial flourishes mm-hmm. that you would with, say, a Zack Snyder's Justice League, um, mm. for better or worse. <laughs> um, 
But um, <laughs> to the idea of Edgar Wright and like the way he shoots action and stuff like Hot Fuzz was really exciting. And obviously, he, you know, the films he makes are absolutely hilarious. Um, so it was a bit worrying that you know, he wasn't actually going to do this, but it, it still felt like a... It was still great, and also, but it also still felt different in a good way as well. Yeah, and again, I think they were only doing Ant-Man because Edgar Wright wanted to do Ant-Man. I don't think that was on their choice of characters for that next slate of oh, really? movies. Um, but then obviously they got so far into development, they kept Ant-Man going just with different people. But again, that's one that especially, I mean, it makes sense when you think about it because Ant-Man wasn't a particularly popular comic, Yeah, um, like yeah. Sam was saying. Um, <laughs> but again, I think that's one that I think they approached Edgar Wright to do one of their movies and he wanted, really wanted to do Ant-Man and basically willed it into existence. I think the only Ant-Man comic I've read is where he joins uh, the Future Foundation. Mm, that's the only ones I've really read as well. Well, that and like whenever he pops up in, you know, Ultimates or whatever. There was a good um, post first Ant-Man movie comic run by Nick Spencer. Was that it? Was pretty good. Which he moves to Florida and starts a security company, very similar <laughs> to Ant-Man and the Wasp. Nice. I also like the idea of a superhero in Florida. It feels yeah. like a very <laughs> underrepresented area. <laughs> There's a lot of really terrible villains, like really rubbish, like D-list, Z-list villains. Yeah, I think there's enough love for like, yeah, the Florida Panhandle. The Bay. Yeah. yeah, we've got, we've got dog Pensacola the dog the Pensa- yeah. yeah, the whole Pensacola Bay just seems very underrepresented. A lot of the villains are like, why is there a superhero in Florida? This is supposed <laughs> to be the place where we can do stuff. I must get quite muggy in the suit though if you're in Florida. That must be why there's not that many superheroes. Yeah. Stark tech. Sticky. Stark tech. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Unstable molecules. <laughs> That's what's so good about Ant-Man. His suit is literally like an 80s, yeah. a 70s leftover, isn't it, as well? Oh, also, Michael Douglas is in those movies. And Yeah, Michael Douglas, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah. Uh, T.I. Like, uh, David Dusmatchian. <laughs> Probably... But just thinking about, not on the same level, but like the actual supporting <laughs> cast for repeating those films. Uh, I don't think T.I. is going to be in those movies. I think he's been fine. Yeah. No, he's not. He's actually not because of... Uh, I can't remember why... Might be gun charges. I know he had trouble oh, with that for a while. Oh boy, no, no, no. We'll skip over this. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's another episode altogether. Um, yeah. Nelms, what's your number five? Uh, my number five is uh, Spider-Man um, Homecoming. The Me too. That was first one of the MCU ones. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I almost forgot this one somehow. Uh, real, 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 uh, real spoiler, that's my number one. <gasps> oh, no way. Is it on your list, Lewis, at all? So I I would pick either Homecoming or Far From Home. Mm. Um, I absolutely love them both. I, they've got the perfect Spider-Man. Tom Holland is just everything. I can remember when, when we saw um, uh, Civil War in the cinema and it just cut to Queens and all yeah. of us like... <gasps> just all grab each other's hands. Just, yep. <laughs> um, um, but I, I love that in Homecoming, it does the Parker's Aren't Quitters scene where he's under the rubble. And yeah, that's yeah. just, that's one of the best bits in any comic ever. So maybe I'll put that as, I'll, I'll put that in place of uh, A Far From Home. Well, we get, think, we get to talk about it as well anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's really funny actually, because obviously all these MCU films are all very fantastical and very big. And But the first thing I thought of when I remembered Spider-Man Homecoming uh, is the sequence where, um, I don't know if we dropped a spoiler alert at the start of this podcast, but hopefully people will work it out. But the sequence <laughs> where he goes to pick up, um, I forget her name, the one you think is going to be 
Liz, thank you. Mm-hmm. He goes to pick Liz up from a house and uh, Michael oh, Keaton answers the door. Mm-hmm. And it's incredible. incredible because obviously we know he's a villain, but he's just being a normal dad and making bad jokes. But then you think that might be it. But then he drives from to the, the prom, says he has to have a talk with Peter and then immediately like switches on to full on like, he pulls you the believe gun he out. would actually murder. Yeah, you, you, but you fully believe that he would murder Peter Parker. If it came down to that as well, within he seconds. He also worked out just, in like five seconds that he's Spider-Man. <laughs> it's just absolutely, uh, it's just phenomenal when I think about that. Just getting Michael Keaton to play that role is just mm, that genius. That's, that's why it works. I was mm-hmm. going to say, the, the, only, the only bigger gasp I've heard in cinema during a Spider-Man movie, legitimately, <laughs> was during Spider-Man 3 when James Franco kisses <laughs> yeah. um, Mary Jane. Yeah, there was a genuine <laughs> shock in the cinema. Oh, it sold uh, out cinema, wasn't it? Yeah, we had to queue up for that film. <laughs> oh, well. Not a good movie, but one of my all-time favourite cinema experiences because everyone was so excited for it and then yeah. so underwhelmed when they left. <laughs> <laughs> there wasn't a big gasp when he was just eating the pie and smiling. Oh God, <laughs> so I good. Think, I, slight, slight tangent, but I think Spider-Man Three might have like um, Star Wars. Um, Revenge of a Sith like meme quality to it. There are so many moments in that that just make great memes. Um, I feel like the best one is still from Spider the first Sam Raimi Spider Man with the uh, I'm something of a scientist myself. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Um, But with Homecoming, what I like is it's just, especially, I really hated the previous two spider man films they just weren't spider man to me it didn't feel like as in amazing spider man yeah yeah they, yeah. they, they, they were they were kind of coming out the, the, almost at the peak of the young adult novel adaptation so like twilight and hunger mm. games and things like that and yeah. it was like a very um obvious maybe slightly cynical attempt at sort of capitalizing on that and there's nothing wrong with comic books that's why comic books survive so long because they adapt to what's going on around them mm-hmm. but it it just seemed very very cynical and i think a lot of people wanted to see sam raimi have that fourth stab he was talked about for ages they were going to use vulture and um craven it was like like, hey let's just like give it we know he's got a better movie in him everyone knew that spider-man 3 had a lot of producer influence to put in venom Mm -hmm. so so it just felt like let him just make that fourth movie go on a high and then sort of work things out from there so i think already going into that movie people may be a little bit unsure about them and yeah the the kind of uh, young adult sort of novel that sort of like twilight um hunger games type vibe to it just never sort of caught on with me which is funny because obviously like high school drama is a big part of spider-man right it's it's but he didn't feel like a high schooler i think that was part of the problem no and i think I think the other problem that they had is that they were fucking shit. Uh, like just, just as far as films go, they were written horribly. They, I think the, the act, none of the characters' motivations made any sense. Things just happened. Well, they hired the director because his surname was Webb, right? <laughs> things just happened in those films so that the film could happen. That yes. was it. Yes. Like, yeah, so stupid. But I think the thing that really sums up those films is they completely botch, for me, they completely botch the... Um, death of Gwen Stacy in that they turn it into this massive like mess of CGI because the whole thing is that you don't well in the comics you're not really sure whether she was already dead when he catches her or whether you know her neck broke or whatever but it's literally she's thrown off a building in this one it's like in a clock tower and she's falling in between an absolute mass of like 
smashed up cogs and um, stuff. Sorry, and it's just sorry, Nelms. It's, it's not just any clock tower. It's a clock tower in the middle of some huge electric generator field. Oh, yeah. Uh, Maybe it isn't a clock tower. Maybe it is a machine. No, it's a clock tower, but it's filled with giant, like, <laughs> cartoon cogs. Just That's like the clock thing. Towers. It feels like a Charlie Chaplin set, doesn't it? It's really like... <laughs> Um, but whereas this one, I think they very much focus on Peter as a character. You believe that he's 16 years old. Mm-hmm. You believe that he would get bullied a bit by um, uh, Tony Revolori's character. Flash. 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 Um, I just think they handle it really well. And it's just a really good, nice, refreshing Spider-Man film to have. Um, I, I think it's got a yeah, great sort of supporting cast as well. Um, mm-hmm. Ned, yeah. especially, is fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah. Monster. I am absolutely crying with laughter when he's uh, being the guy at the computer and someone walks and is like, what are you doing? And he goes, uh, I was looking at pornography. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, shout out to Hannibal Buress as the uh, yes, absolutely. PE teacher. When he shows that tape of Captain America, he's like, I think he might be a war criminal now or something. <laughs> but, <yeah. laughs> so funny. And also the shot of um, Spider-Man coming out of the uh, porta potty with toilet paper stuck on his heel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they really get it with those films. It's fantastic. So Sam, this is your your number one. Yeah. I think there's a few moments like the when uh, Michael Keaton opens the door, big, uh, big, big pop for mm. me. Loved it. Mm. Um, but I also really like some of the smaller bits, like when he's out in New Jersey and he try he runs out of the building and tries yes. to fire a web, and it just shoots off into the darkness. <laughs> and then he has to Ferris Bueller run through all those ga- those gardens whilst Ferris Bueller's on in someone's yeah, house. Whilst Ferris Bueller was on in the house, <laughs> and uh, the interrogation with Donald Glover. Where Donald was like, "Oh, you're you're like a tiny boy," and he's like, "No, I'm a, I'm a man." <laughs> it was very I, funny. It's I think it's one of the best examples, probably actually alongside uh, Ant Man and Wasp, um, of where they actually mix in a different genre of movie into like the superhero element. Like they get that '80s John Hughes style, yes, um, yeah. high school comedy, uh, and they just kind of you know slap it together. Um, into a nice peanut butter and chocolate mix with Spider-Man. In the yeah. same way that Ant-Man 1 is like a heist movie, Ant-Man 2 is kind of like a caper. Um, yeah. And I think, uh, yeah, for me, those, yeah, those are absolutely some of the best stuff they've done because, yeah, you know, there's only so many times where you can have those big world-ending events, right? A big swirly thing in the sky opens up and, you know, you've got to fight it. Like, it's like, it's just, the, it's the little things that, that really make you sort of like stick with it, right? People want, yeah. love these movies because of the characters. Got to the point yeah. now, it kind of doesn't matter what they're doing. It's, it's about hanging out with the characters. Um, I think Homecoming does an excellent job of just introducing, obviously, a new Peter Parker, but a really good supporting cast of characters you want to be with. They're very attractive, aren't mm. they? Um, yeah. <laughs> all agreement here. Tony Stark was right. Um, <laughs> It makes me wonder if they ever did have a Uncle Ben, who would play him? I don't know. I'm quite glad they skipped that at this point. Yeah, I didn't see that dude die yet. Like, like Batman, yeah, Bruce Wayne's parents, like, we've got to have to um, gun down every movie. I didn't see this dude did anyone, like, hmm. gun down in the bodega. Really weird question. Can you, does anyone know what jewellery uh, Martha Wayne was wearing when, when she got shot? I'm trying to, I'm trying to think was it... No, <laughs> she had some. She had some ice on. Uh, yeah. sort of shagged, uh, it was basically the Wayne family crest in diamonds, um, 
And then, oh, that's what's yeah. yeah. Some films should really show what they jewelry she was wearing. Things, in detail. There was like uh, like knuckle duster things where it just it had like Martha in diamonds <laughs> across that as well, like Radio Raheem in um, that, uh, did the right thing. Yeah, because the guy was actually just asking for directions, and she thought she was being attacked because she's obviously incredibly wealthy and out of touch with reality, and saw a guy who looked a little bit shovel, so she tried to punch him, and he took a step back, and obviously, uh, what's going on? You know, these rich people are gonna. Me. Oh, it sounds like something from Joker. <laughs> have you? <laughs> yeah, Joker's my number That's... one. By the way, <laughs> have you guys seen the um, the Justice League cartoon? I, I, I mean, I'm sure you've all seen some of it. There's a well, great unlimited. episode where, um, yeah, where um, yeah. Uh, Batman they they put the starro on him and it makes him see his like. Uh, his greatest dream, like the thing that makes him the happiest in the world, and they show you what he's seeing, and it's just him beating the shit out of Joe Chill in that alleyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like his parents are stood there, and you could just see the shadow of Batman's fist hitting his face over and over and over. I love when cartoons go a bit dark like that, just really casually. Just yeah. Well, in Batman Begins, Bruce funny. Wayne turned up at the courthouse with a gun, ready to shoot the dude. Until yeah, it's uh, only because he uh, it jammed, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Eight um, now. Oh no, he wasn't asked. Also, also uh, someone else got him as well. Yeah. Mm. Uh, who goes next? I guess it was mine. I was going to say my number five, but we've had that, so I'll go to my number four. Um, mm. My number four is the first Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Same. Yep. Yeah, same. Is that your number four as well? Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, well I got it in any order, but yeah, they're not in order, but yeah. No, this is Norm's canonized order. Um, he, said, <laughs> he said he wants this to be a document to exactly how he feels. <laughs> <laughs> that he will never change his mind. I hope you um, guys enjoy Michael B. Jordan to Human Torch. So, <laughs> <laughs> Al Simmons. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, Sam, did Guardians of the Galaxy make your list at all? No, it's uh, it's in my bottom five. Uh, I don't like this movie. What? I really like Guardians Two. I'm the one person who really likes Guardians Two and doesn't like Guardians One. I like Guardians like Two more when I first saw it because I love that cast of characters and absolutely they and they know going into it that like they've got the chemistry there and they just play with it and so I, I really loved it. Also, it's got Kurt fucking Russell in it, so like, I'm yeah. all over that stuff. Mm. I rewatched it again, and boy, is that movie long! <laughs> it's re- it feels <laughs> it's long. like I, yeah. two and a half hours long, and you do start yeah. you do feel it. Um, also. It, the, it makes it with like a fantastic finale. The finale of that movie, when they're all like underground uh, trying to defuse mm. the bomb, is amazing. It's so well put together. Um, the jokes are amazing. I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. It's fantastic. Um, yeah, yeah. I wonderful. Think, I think the funeral scene at the end is genuinely earned. Like, I yeah. think I think that's really good. And, I agree. And seeing Stallone with like the original Guardians from the comics as well. I think that stuff's all really cool. But it is a long ass movie, and one little thing as well, it doesn't it is like, especially for um, there's like a bit of an over reliance on like green screen CGI. Whereas when I was rewatching the first one, I actually noticed how much of it was just actual sets. Yep, and it had like a little bit of it gave me like a little bit of a throwback actually feel um, to like some '90s '80s stuff where like you know '90s and '80s stuff was like yeah we have to we can't just CGI everything we actually have to build some real sets here and like you know like the classic Star Wars as well where it feels like a lived in real world mm-hmm. on top of like the fantastical CGI stuff um, so yeah I, I it, it kind of surprised me how much I actually like that um, again the humor's great the characters um, yeah I, I just think it works a lot better than the first one the second one even for me. Um, Again, it was the first example of Marvel 
going, yeah, we're actually going there. We're going right out, literally into space. It, yeah. We're going to get even weirder than you think, yeah. you know. Um, that was so exciting. When you see like a celestial's head, you mm. know, uh, I, I mind out. And a really subtle, um, thought out, sensitive performance from Benicio del Toro, just doing some really. Just, <laughs> I actually didn't realize it was him. Careful. Um, you know, understated <laughs> acting. <laughs> It's incredible. I thought it might have been like Meryl Streep or somebody, like with the, <laughs> the subtleties. Although that's not fair, because that makes it sound like Benito del Toro is not a uh, good actor. Which he's a great actor. It's just he's a phenomenal actor. When he, turns but, up in, when he turns up in space, he's just hamming it up for some reason. That's like, it. In Star it's, Wars. Yeah, keep, Beni- keep Benito del Toro out of fucking space. <laughs> no, no, because I think I think I would, would have said yes, what the hell is this before? But then... Um, Jeff Goldblum plays like another one of I can't remember what the type of people they are because he's the, the collector elders and Jeff of the Goldblum universe, for, I think. Yeah, and Jeff Goldblum goes for a very similarly pitched sort of could, uh, theatrical yeah, style. Um, well, and I think that, it actually that feels like it's I Jeff want to meet Goldblum the rest of that family Jeff now. Goldblum. Like, if you told me Jeff Goldblum yeah, yeah. wasn't acting in that movie, <laughs> but, he, <laughs> but he wore his own clothes on set, then he'd be like, yeah, that makes, <laughs> like an Adam Sandler movie. That would make. Perfect but I want to meet the rest of their family now. Yeah, I want to meet the others. Um, the soundtrack as well. Um, for better or worse, mm. I think this movie inspired, like Suicide Squad, for example, a whole bunch of movies just to kind of jam in like, hey, here are some 70s uh, classic and early 80s classic songs. And it all feels really forced. And There's no context. There's no context. This movie is really clever. Yeah? It gives you an emotional context yeah. to have these absolute Absolutely, bangers. Yeah. And I would listen to the first film's mixtape on the way to work every morning mm. for probably mm. about like three months and it was just like my feel good get me in the mood uh for a rubbish day of work basically <laughs> um but like there's something infectious about that movie I, I feel good when i've watched it um i think it's to me it's maybe like the most feel good marvel movie even though it yeah. ends with you know uh thousands of people dying <laughs> <laughs> but not john c Riley, but not john, family, c, but so not john c Riley. yeah <laughs> Um, the only, the only, my only criticism of it is that they do my, uh, do my boy, uh, they do my boy villain in it, Ronan the Accuser wrong. Um, mm. It just feels very, like, if, if there's one criticism of Marvel movies, it's the fact that, like, a lot of their villains are a little bit half-baked. Mm. Um, you know, you get the iconography and everything like that, they look the part, they get great casting, but they're just not really served too well. I think it's something they've got a lot yeah. better with, because I think, to me, like, Thanos is probably, like, the best comic book villain like any, I think probably Heath Ledger and Joker is probably like. Yeah, I'm so glad I got the, Thanos. Yeah, the two. Yeah, those two are the gold standard. Probably followed by Loki, but who's kind of a bit more of a yeah tweener, as they say in wrestling terms now. But like, I think, I think um, they redo really Ronan the Accuser dirty, and uh, it's probably yeah. my uh, my one criticism of the movie. But apart from yeah. that, it's just a joy. Also, Bradley and- fucking Cooper. And yeah, yeah, not phoning it in as easy as it would be to for like a voice role. You would think a big Hollywood actor would just. But he actually does a proper full-on character. And Vin Diesel yeah. puts in exactly uh, as much effort as Groot as well. Vin Diesel does it in every yeah. language. He know yeah. he gets asked. Vin Diesel gets asked what he's saying. He asks, "What am I saying when I say I am Groot for this line?" Mm. And they tell him what he's actually saying. So he always puts an inflection on. He says like, so much. He does, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think he wants a job as well, doesn't he? He was pushing for Black Bolt a lot and saying, yeah, the fans are all asking for it. And he's like, are they Vin? Or are you asking the fans? But I think, yeah. Because he saw Black Adam materialise for The Rock. And he was yeah. like, if I just keep telling, I pe- if I just keep telling people I'm going to make this movie for a decade, then eventually it will happen. 
I can't get into it, Black Adam. it will materialise. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would say about Marvel, I would say Ronan's a bit wasted. Uh, Baron uh, von Stucker is also wasted. Mm. And for me, the most egregious one personally is uh, Malakith from um, yeah. The Dark World. Because he's such a verbose um, theatrical villain in the comics. And he, he talks for ages. And then it felt like an almost deliberate middle finger. I'm sure it wasn't, but the fact they gave, they gave him made him speak in Elvish and didn't give him much to do in terms of being like a, a villain villain, you know? Mm-hmm. It's very it's clear really that Malekith was also like the main villain in the Marvel Universe comics for quite a while, like the, yeah. one of the biggest threats. Uh, and it culminated like a couple of years after Dark World came out. Yeah, it's, yeah, the kind it's of just thing a which, missed opportunity. Um, it's the kind of thing which makes me a little bit concerned. I think they've, ri- they've managed to write the path a bit more with Thanos, because they just do such a good job with him over the course of uh, Infinity War and Endgame, where Infinity War is like basically Thanos' story. Yeah. Um, mm. But I, we know, we'll talk about this a little bit later, but there's, Doctor, there's a Fantastic Four movie on the slate. We're going to get Doctor Doom eventually. Like oh, He is yes. the, one of the best Marvel villains. Oh, I hope and, we like, get that right. He's, he's so complicated, and there's so many layers to him. But not in a let's humanize this villain, but he's still also a very complicated character. And he can't just be like a one and done walking around looking angry, you know. He's a leader of a country. Villain. His people love him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he also and builds robots of himself to attack people. But I wanted his Doomheads. I'm a Doomhead. <laughs> I, I love Doctor Doom. I think he's Yeah. Yeah. yeah Great um, guy. Any any more thoughts on um Guys of the Galaxy, guys? So what is it you don't like about the movie actually? So the the plot's basically paper thin and it's just kind of a vehicle to make a lot of jokes. Um, and while the jokes are good, the acting is good, the chemistry, the characters are all good. Uh, I just, I don't know, I feel like it's not, I, I don't enjoy rewatching it. Um, and as like a, a, a big mark for the Marvel films, um, that's uh, it's a wrestling term I use for you there, Jim. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> The uh, I really like rewatching them. So when there's a film that I don't enjoy rewatching, it like drops right down to the bottom yeah, of the okay. list. Do you, Sam, do you like um, James Gunn films generally? Um, I don't think I've seen any others. It's just super? he's directed Slither, right? And yeah, s- which is cracking. And uh, he did Super. Yeah, I watched Super and I thought it was okay. Um, um, I'm really excited for his new one. Yeah, I'm. I'm really looking forward to Suicide Squad. Uh, the cast is incredible, so you know. Yeah, I would say the Guardians. It doesn't. This can sound ridiculous because it goes to space for the first time. Uh, what I do appreciate about Guardians Two more, it goes bigger in space. Absolutely. Um, I feel like you can tell it wasn't a known product with the first film, so they didn't necessarily go quite as they didn't big. Let them do they do go much. big, but in the second one, they're like everyone loves Guardians now. Just have the villain be a planet. No worries. Just do what you need to do. Like it opens with like, you, you when you first meet Kurt Russell, he's like dancing in space, isn't he? He's just sort of floating towards them. He's, he's, on, no, he's, on, he's on his ship he's, and he's like, like he's almost like riding it like a horse and carriage. Oh, right? that's it, yeah. yeah. But he's standing on it as he does it. He's oh, standing he? and he waves to yeah. him, yeah. Like, it's, kind of, it's kind of more like, um, it's like he's um, wakeboarding or something. Yeah. 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 Also, there is a good like thematic needle drop when Kurt Russell explains how he had to put the tumour in uh, oh, Peter's mum's head as well. Excellent. Scene. Not a tumour. The way he explains that, like, it's like, yeah, I had to I had to go to the bank this morning and 
pay a check in. Like he just says it so like matter yeah. of factly, thinking that Peter will understand. Ego, Idiot. isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Then, yeah, that's that's so much. I think. I think that the the reason that that film as well is for me a standout is exactly what you said earlier, Jim. That there's you don't get much of a. Uh, a voice of the director in a lot of the Marvel films, whereas this one very much feels like a James Gunn movie. Like yep. it feels very different to a lot of them, and I think he really mm. made it his own. But it, I think it works for the cast that it is. Because he loves yeah. misfits, right? He loves misfits and weirdos and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Yeah, I think um, fully agree. You, you look at a lot of the uh, directors they've got on that have, I think had the most successes. They are directors who are really used to working with ensemble casts. And, yes, yeah. Um, a lot of them are sitcom TV directors like exactly. Peyton Reed yeah. and I think, I think the Russo that's brothers. What, that's why the Russo brothers, I think, have done so well because they are, you know, they, they work with ensemble casts and they make sure everyone gets their time to shine. Well, think, Do you know uh, how they got it? The Russos. Mm. Do you know how they got it's it? Do, of you know the who, Do you know who episode, it? No, because Justin Lin directed that one. Uh, uh, yeah. Community, right? Paintball. Yeah. Paintball. Yeah, well, no, I think Russos yeah, did. Did one of them, but anyway, Justin um, Lin did the first one. Yeah, but bigger than Justin Lin. Um, they are really good friends with Steven Soderbergh, and <gasps> he go. got he got they got him to vouch for them. Even though obviously Steven Soderbergh was like, "Do you really want to do these types of films?" I can't remember if this was for Winter Soldier or if it was for to get the End Game job. Okay, um, probably Winter Soldier. Actually, thinking about, it. but either way, they basically got Steven Soderbergh to vouch for them. Um, and obviously that's partly how they managed to get the gig because he's Steven Soderbergh. Because they'd made and one get... movie before, hadn't they? Um... Uh, I think they made two because they made uh, Welcome to Collingwood. Yeah. Which is quite a fun little sort of heist, sort of, uh, it's like a light Coen Brothers type comedy mm. drama film. And then they made uh, Me, You and Dupree. Which... <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Which I haven't looked this up, but someone was describing it the other day as, if you just read the quotes on IMDb, it seems like the funniest film ever made. Uh, but the actual film is terrible. And that's what I mean. So I think that's, I mean, obviously they got noticed because of their episodes of Arrested Development and like... Um, community um, as well, right? Community usually quite standout. So mm. yeah, it's mm. quite interesting. Because it felt like at the time, um, it, the formula was going to be, okay, you have the individual directors do the individual heroes. And then Joss Whedon was going to be the... The Avengers guy. Bring him together come, guy. Bring him together every few years, because, yeah. And um, I guess for a number of reasons, including the fact that Age of Ultron wasn't quite as well received as Avengers 1, that kind of led to them sort of parting ways with him, which I think in the end of the day was probably the best choice. <laughs> from yeah. Right. Yeah. Especially Experience. in retrospect. Yeah. Um, Back to Lewis. What have you they, got? I, I have a feeling I'm not going to be alone on this one. Captain America, The Winter Soldier. Garbage film full of... No. <laughs> not on my list. Really? It's not on my list. There's a Captain America it's movie like on number there, six. But it, yeah, it would probably be a solid number six to me. There's a Captain America movie on my list. It's the but, first uh, film I wrote down when I was thinking of which ones I love. Really? Yeah. I think it's the that and Ragnarok are universally the most like critically and mm. like, audience beloved of the movies. Mm. And Black Panther as well, probably those three. Oh yeah, definitely Black Panther. Well, we'll maybe we'll talk about that in a minute. Maybe. <laughs> but, um, uh, I think with Winter Soldier, to me, it helps solidify and take Marvel films to the next level to some yes. degree. 
Yeah. Um, sorry, Lewis, it was your pick. You uh, start off. That, that, that's exactly it, Dan. Um, and I think for... So I know you guys are, have always been big Cap fans from the comics, mm. and I never really cared about Cap, and I hadn't read a lot of um, comics with him in it. Uh, only maybe as like a side character to someone else, Spider-Man or whatever. Um, but it was the first one that actually made me care about him. It was when he stopped being just your, your really boring, lawful good, you know, like your Superman. And I know I'm going to get loads of flack for, <laughs> for saying that about Superman. But sometimes those characters can, can be fairly one-dimensional. Yeah. Um, and I think this just opened him up. And He's like, an oh, archetype, okay. right? Superman, yeah. Superman and Captain America uh, often work as archetypes. And um, it can be kind of hard to humanise and relate to those characters. Yeah, and I, I, I did enjoy the, the first one. It felt like, I don't know, like an Indiana Jones, just fun, swashbuckling mm. adventure. Yes. Um, but this, I think this one kind of transcended comic book films and just became a little bit bigger. Yeah. It's like yeah. a great 70s spy thriller yeah. style movie as well. And they lose some of that in the final, like the final big battle. Yeah, but I was going like, to say. Yeah, the majority um, of the movie is very much who knows what I know, who what the they know sort of stuff. Mm. And like Cold War Russian intrigue. Mixed yeah. with a little bit of the original Terminator, just like unstoppable. Mm. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Kind of I remember. Um, yeah, and I think the thing with the, the bit, because I think also the last action sequence with the helicarriers doesn't quite work for as well as me as the rest of the film. But that's a, that's a studio thing because those sets cost a lot of money and take a lot of time to build and render. So they, they basically mandated they had to have the finale set on or around helicarriers. Yeah, really? Um, Got to get your, and it, your dollar And it, it does work, but I mean, that's how a lot of studio films like this work, especially <laughs> at that point when Marvel were making films, they didn't have the ability to spend as much as they could ever want and they know? were cutting costs a lot as well mm. yeah 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 marvel infamously when they first started was uh like had a very cost-cutting approach especially in terms of actor contracts and stuff which is why um, well, a bank would have yeah. owned their entire company if the loan they took out had failed for the marvel the first marvel <laughs> films so oh my god you can imagine the pressure they were under for... um i think what what does work though about the finale is that the setting everything it does I think it actually ties it together quite well. Like in terms of action sequences, it's like it sounded like oh, the, the base is falling apart around you, kind of thing. But the movie is like a bit of a probably. In fact, both Captain America sequels, especially, are real deconstructions of what the Marvel universe was. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. In up until uh, Winter Soldier, Shield is like yes, it's this clandestine organization, but effectively they are the good guys. They're the good guys bankrolling our heroes. That the backup. Um, you get to uh, Winter Soldier. It's like, well, actually, no, Shield are not the good guys. You know, Hail Hydra. Uh, Robert fucking Redford. Robert Redford. Hail yeah, Hydra. Um, that that gives that movie a five straight away. Uh, they're literally decon- you know, they're deconstructing the Marvel universe as they destroy all the helicarriers. Har- and the reveal of the helicarrier in the first Avengers movie, like a huge moment, you know? It's like a yeah. huge mission. It's like, holy shit, again, it's another thing where it's like, we're getting full on Marvel here. We're getting helicarriers uh, in here. They literally yeah. break that apart. Also, they tie that into the fact that ultimately it's just a really personal story. It's just a dude trying to get his friend back. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And so you're watching the MCU fall apart as... He is desperately trying to repair this relationship with his best mate, or his, his brother, basically. Um, so I think in that sense it works. But yeah, I, I do love like the, the spy thriller element to it. Um, 
I love the fact that, yeah, you, you get to, again, humanise uh, Steve Rogers a bit more because, again, you've got him in that fish-out-of-water section you know, element of where he's, like, trying to get by in the normal world and just, like, adapting yeah. to that. Uh, you know, the man-out-of-time thing, which works so well. Um, also bringing in uh, Falcon as well would do a really good job. They, they make, uh, they make uh, Natasha, Black Widow, more interesting as, like, yes. a kind mm. of comedic foil. Um, if yeah. you think about how she's introduced in Iron Man 2... She's basically there as kind of like, I know she's playing the secretary type eye candy, but also at the same time, they kind of lean into that. They don't, give they her don't, anything really, to do. they don't really give her much to do. No, she's just and, sort of there, isn't she? Yeah. She and, wears a cat suit and has red hair. Totally. And um, they give her a bit more to do in Avengers, for sure. I think that's when the cat starts to come into her own. But yeah. to me, like, that um, Winter Soldier is like a coming out party for both Captain America and. Black Widow, like those characters come into their own there. Yeah. Um, it's interesting to me as well with Winter Soldier. I and I don't think there's much I could have done now, but they actually do a much to me, they do a much better job with the friendship between um Sam, uh Falcon and uh Captain America than they do with the for me, than they do with Bucky in the first film. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah. And I really, really like the first Captain America film, but it yeah, same. The, 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 the Bucky friendship thing didn't quite um, click with me as much as I wanted it to. And I think it's partly because I've had the benefit of knowing what their relationship is like from the comics and stuff like that. Um, mm. But I f- felt the friendship was done much better between Sam and Steve in uh, Winter Soldier. I thought it was... And again, that's probably partly hindsight, partly having more time to develop and spread out. Like Captain America 2 is like a two and a half hour movie or something. It's getting close to that, isn't it, at this mm. point? Yeah, Winter Soldier, and I think that's one of my favorite things about that film is his his friendship with um, like when he winds him up, turning on your left every yeah. time he runs past him. And yeah, the little things like that. But chemistry is really good. It just humanizes. Um, I mean, the first film does a really good job of humanizing um, Steve Rogers, but I think it just yeah the fish out of water stuff works really well, and it's fun now. But um, obviously, not everybody knew Winter Soldier was Bucky, so that's yeah. always a fun reveal. In Jim, do you remember we watched it in our old house? Chuggalock House. Mm. And our friend Rachel was watching it for the first time and she actually gasped out loud when <laughs> when Bucky's mask comes off and she realised who it was uh, underneath there. It's just always a nice, fun memory. Whenever someone gets surprised by a film like that, it's always a good time. But yeah, it's a great film. Winter Soldier, the first movie I ever saw with my wife. Uh, I, I made oh, no her way. watch first avenger like the day before so that she would know she would recognize sebastian stan <laughs> so I was like, just in case um yeah. so we watched it like the week before and i was like oh, i really want to see this movie let's go although um, i did see um, it with jim beforehand it was the second yeah. time i'd seen it because i was yeah that always stands out to me because i think you uh you me and i think a friend mandy wasn't it who we all went together yeah, um, there's the, the guy kid. eating KFC bucket two yeah. seats away. This whole bucket, <laughs> Jesus. laughing to himself, eating Just a bucket, grease wafting. But Nelms, you, you touched on it. the The elevator scene as well is just. I think. I think as well. Part of that just shows how good directors the Russo brothers are. Because yeah. in that one moment, uh, you've got that realization from Cap that he's surrounded by enemies, literally. How they fit all those men into that lift? I'll never yeah. know. They're all. Built like brick shit houses, and just as more and more get in as it goes to each floor as well. Yeah. Oh. Well, I'm going to say Cap didn't do a good enough job of taking them out because one of them turned up in Gotham and kidnapped Martha Wayne a couple of years later. <laughs> Fuck. 
uh i really like in um in that scene you can tell how well they understand steve rogers like the guys who wrote and and uh, chris evans by the bit he goes does anybody want to get out yep. like, Before yeah Davis. absolutely yeah. yeah he's still a gentleman Incredible. um another really subtle scene in that film actually which is amazingly well acted and again robert redford doesn't need to prove himself to anybody you know he's only doing this marvel film because i think he wanted to see what a big you know one of these sort of productions is like, but the scene where his house. Yeah, he's 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 an award-winning filmmaker, but obviously he's yeah. in a different era altogether, and he's he just never. Yeah, he wouldn't have done anything like to this level budgets, of. Uh, yeah. yeah, but um, the scene where he's at home and the um, his maid turns up. Yes. And sees something she shouldn't Very have done, good. and the way he just says, "Like, I really wish yeah. you hadn't seen that." Yeah. Just, he plays it so well. It's it's fantastic. Yes. Uh, yeah, good good pick, Lewis. That was a. Uh, it's just a cracking film. Um, yeah, good choice. Um, absolutely fantastic choice. Um, so I've got a Captain America movie on mine, but uh, it's maybe a different one. Uh, Sam, I mean, we can't distract. We've also kind because we've slightly cannibalised each other's lists. So who knows where we are? But, um, <laughs> I've only your, got one left to talk yeah, about. What, what's your next movie, which we haven't talked about already? Uh, so my number four is uh, <laughs> Captain America: Civil War. My number two. So I, um, I would have included that, but I, like I said, I tried to stay away from the crossovers. But you're absolutely right to, <laughs> to do that. <laughs> yeah, um, there's there's so many of my favourite MCU moments are in Civil War, mm-hmm. um, when uh, Falcon and Bucky first see Spider Man. It's hilarious. Like they're running through the airport terminal, and he's like crawling on the walls, and Bucky's like, "Oh, what the hell was that?" <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the bit where um, Sam refuses to move his seat up in the car. Perfect. Sam and yep. Bucky. That's why we Perfect. have that TV show, right? That one yeah, scene is giving us some yeah. yeah, and then like the the other stuff as well, like Tony finding out that Bucky killed his parents. Of absolute like, I, I kind. It's one of those things where I f- I kind of saw it coming, but it wasn't something from the comics. So it was like, ooh, is this actually where they're going? You know? Yeah. Um, so is that not then, in the comics then? Is that no? Interesting. Uh, okay. Yeah. What? Uh, yeah. So that like, and Tony and Tony and Steve's fight at the end, like Tony, Steve, and Bucky. I love fighting. that fight. It's heartbreaking, isn't it? The, um, yeah. the shot they get where like um, it's uh, Steve on one side, Bucky on the other, Tony in the middle, and yeah. you can kind of just see the like the pill, back and yeah, forth. the pillars of like yeah, and then the iron mm-hmm. like lasers are kind of flying through the air. And then at the very end, when um, he's literally just with the shield beating the shit out of Iron Man, um, the intensity, I absolutely love it. I think what's also amazing about the movie, because that movie is basically Avengers 2.5, right? It feels, mm. yeah, it yeah. feels yeah, both absolutely. like a Captain America movie, and I don't think Captain America gets shortchanged in that film, because it would be very absolutely. easy for him to be shortchanged, especially when you've got, because I think Robert Downey, Downey Jr. Jr. got yeah. paid stupid amounts of money for that film. And part of his sort of like signing on to do it bonus was that he would get a percentage of the gross if it hit a certain milestone because he considered that proof that he brought more box office power to the franchise. (laughs) (laughs) Which obviously it's the highest grossing Captain America movie. I think it was just shy of a billion dollars or something stupid like that. Um, So he probably got paid more than like Chris Evans for Lee. But like in no way does it feel like he's been shortchanged. Every character mm. in that movie has a full arc. Because you've got to remember, like, in that movie, okay, you've got the full Captain America arc continuing the Bucky storyline, delving a bit more into their history. You've got 
some Tony Stark origin stuff, which has only already been hinted at, which is like his relationship with his parents. You know, we see his dad when he's a young man, when he's, you know, a little bit older. We know that they had a slightly troubled relationship and he died, but we find out really like the actual impact that's had on him rather than just like living in his father's shadows in terms of like being billionaire genius, you know, tough mm. gig. Um, <laughs> we also get the introduction of Black Panther. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Who has who is not only badass the in the movie. The best Black Panther costume they've ever done. First one is the best one, yeah. Because they're the practical one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but like he um he gets a full arc, you know, like his his father dies mm. and he goes hunting for revenge by the end of the movie. He covers so much, he, doesn't he? Yeah, he learns, you know, he he's it's him learning how to be a king, right? To be um, merciful. You, you wanna hear um, something cool as fuck? Gone. Absolutely. You, you know the scene where they're running faster than the cars? Mm. Yeah. Completely mm. practical. Oh really? They yeah. have they've basically got these really long mats being pulled by cars. Uh so these actors are running along them whilst all these cars are still doing like 30 miles an hour either side and they have to jump from like one mat to the other often jumping onto uh That's brilliant. onto cars and shit. Yeah, the guy the stunt guy who does does loads of Black Panther stuff called Gui. Um he's on uh, Corridor Crew's YouTube quite a lot doing like stuntmen mm. reacts they take you through all these stunts and it's fucking crazy it's just a showcase it, that whole film is just a showcase of amazing stunt work yeah um, yeah also notable because it's the villain gets the villain achieves his plan perfectly yeah. like he gets everything he wants to set out to do from the start and he gets all of it done he yeah. gets the Avengers split up he gets all the other super soldiers destroyed yeah. Uh, it, again, it's, a, yeah. it's one another, of my favourite villains. It's another, mm. uh, and uh, God, he's doing some amazing work in the Falcon Winter Soldier show <laughs> yeah. as well. Like, yeah. absolutely fantastic. Um, a coat. But yeah, it, again, it's it's a it's another deconstruction of what we think the MCU is. If any, you know, Age of Ultron kind of starts to fracture the group a bit, but by the end of it, they're all but they, they feel, okay. We save the day, and yeah, we should trust each other and whatever. By the end of Captain America, um, Civil War, like Cap, Cap, Bucky is on the is on the run. A whole bunch of them are in jail, about to get busted out. Um, Rhodey is disabled. He can't yeah. from the waist down. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, My vision Sp- of all people. S- Spider Man's here. Um, Wakanda has arrived. Black Panther has arrived. Um, but also at the same time, even though it doesn't focus on the Infinity Stones, we, we also know that Infinity War is coming up and mm. our heroes are more fractured than ever. Um, because because Marvel are very transparent about their roadmaps and for that, we know that that's part of the excitement, right? You know what's coming up. And we know there's going to be that, uh, that movie. We know from the other films that like Thanos is getting all of the stones together. But by the end of that film, it's like, who the fuck is going to save the day? These guys aren't even on speaking terms anymore. They just got a fucking yeah. prepaid burner <laughs> to give him a, give a number of call on it, right? Yeah, um, and that, I think that's what that's what I love about again those Captain America movies. Like um, they they just break down the uh, the MCU and build it back up again in a way that really like the Avengers movies kind of should but don't, or maybe the Avengers movies reassemble it. Maybe that's it. Mm. But it's it's, in, it's amazing to me what a huge linchpin Captain America has been. Yes. in that series whereas in a lot of other Marvel movies by the end of your two two and a half hours the universe kind of resets a bit that never really happens with the Captain America sequels I think as well with this film it was it was pretty bold of the Russo brothers um, because 
in this film, you lose the ability to soften any critique by saying, oh, they're films for kids. Because kids don't want to go to the cinema and watch Captain America punch Iron Man's face to pieces. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> so I, I think that, you know, it, it feels like the MCU really grew up, right? Mm. So, also, if you compare, of, like, uh, the... Ant-Man. <laughs> uh, also, if you, I was going to say, if you compare the uh, very similar plots to someone... Uh, bad guy manipulating events so that our two main heroes end up fighting each other like the the billionaire with like his self-made suit and like the paragon of justice and virtue fighting each other and yet also related to like a mum's death like there's so many like yeah. kind of like themes that are very similar to batman versus superman and yet one of those movies is good and the other <laughs> <laughs> resolves an argument by shouting the name martha <laughs> it's, it's very weird that there's no central plot point in Captain America Civil War about a glass of piss. Yeah. Um, which, so strange. Yeah. Was, you know, of those two 2016 hero versus hero movies, like one of them had a jar of piss and the other one didn't. You think they could have got it in the UN, don't you, really? There's plenty of scenes with diplomats and stuff to Baron Zemo's piss in a jar. I can't believe that's an actual plot point in that film. I always sort of forget about it. And I remember they made Holly Hunter, of all people, Drink piss in a film. <laughs> she deserves better than that. She's an amazing actress. Um, Bad Civil War. I always, I always think of the, just the way that Tony says that the shield doesn't belong to him to leave it. Mm, yes. Where it is. It's really, it's a really heartbreaking read of the line. He does. I think it's a really sad sort of. Because obviously he's exhausted anyway. He's lo- he's lost one of his friends. Uh, you can, well, the way he's saying it is, you know, he's trying to hurt. Um, yep. Hurt Cap, like he wants Steve, to hurt. Yeah. His, yeah, he wants to hurt his feelings. Mm-hmm. He wants mm-hmm. him to feel as much pain as he's feeling at that moment, right? Yeah, we kind of see um, Tony Stark vulnerable in all the movies. Obviously, there's always something going wrong. That's why it's the superhero movie. But he, his vulnerability is on display in like such a different way in that film. Yeah, right. Because um, he's dealing with like his parents' death, losing his friend, the guilt as well. He's constantly feeling like guilt and PTSD from those Avengers missions, right? And I think it it comes to a head in a really good way where, like, he's second-guessing himself constantly during that movie. And mm. he's, he's obviously making what is potentially the wrong decision. He was totally of, wrong. Yeah, totally totally it was definitely the, the, wrong, the wrong choice. Let's, let's put as much bureaucracy into saving well, actually, the world as yeah, possible. Yeah, as if you actually look at, like, the list of people, list of people who are on um, Tony's team... Uh, what happened to them? How many even got snapped away? How many even died before the end of um, but the end of Infinity War? Like there was a lot of collateral damage on that team, <laughs> whereas everything kind of worked out for most of Cap's team. I think it's interesting as well because you'd expect where where someone's like, we need to put in more laws and that it it, it would kind of make sense for Tony and Steve to have swapped places, right? Yeah, mm. Mm. like that that would be the the simpler thing to do, I think. I, just, I, I think, think it's, it's, well, I think it's really smart the way they, they did it in this. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I've got a couple of quick points on Civil War before we we finish yeah. up. But like, um, Civil War has one of my favourite ever scenes in like the whole Marvel universe, which is um, when Zemo's reading the book to Bucky in his cage, and Bucky's trying to smash his way out. 
Yeah, absolutely it's, incredible. Yep, he's genuinely um, terrified, isn't he, of those words being yeah. read? Yeah, uh, just the code words are great. Yeah, I think I think maybe that movie until um, Endgame and Infinity War, like that movie felt like almost like the biggest like miracles, like how they managed to juggle so much, make it coherent and make it satisfying. Uh, introduce Spider-Man, right? A character who's uh, bigger than all of this in a way, uh, yeah. in his own way. And yet I still feel like, yes, I only got maybe like 15 minutes of Spider-Man tops in this two and a half hour movie, but I still got a perfect amount of Spider-Man yep. to what they were they didn't overuse him. Yeah. You, that one scene when he's talking in his bedroom with Tony uh, and you know everything you need to about this version of Marvel's Spider-Man, right? You know, like the humour within, the betrayal, his age, everything, but also like his motivations. He doesn't do the with great power comes great responsibility line, but he yep. talks about when you can do the right thing and you don't, that's when the bad stuff happens. And that hits like a ton of bricks, like absolutely amazing. Chemistry those two have is fantastic, actually. I it's think, great. Mm. Um, that's, uh, that's one of the things that I think... Uh, it's why I think Spider-Man Homecoming, again, is a favourite because the chemistry between um, Robert Downey Jr. and uh, Tom Holland is absolutely fantastic. Mm. Oh, well, that's right. But we then... forgot to mention the bit where like he leans in for a hug. <laughs> <laughs> and then the movie ends where you think they're going to introduce him to as the new Avenger. And then they're like, oh, it was a test. And he walks off. And then there's like the big press conference. Big press like, conference behind. Spiders. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> I love... Um... I love the bit in uh, Civil War where he, it's richly right at the beginning. He's at MIT doing the presentation about the like augmented reality therapy thing. And he's like, yeah, I call it the barf. And then the when they flash back to that in Far From Home, um, <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal is like, this is my life's work. <laughs> yeah. And he goes, I call it the barf. And he's on stage like... <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good. Um, whose choice of Civil War? Uh, Sam's. Sam's. Sam's, cool. Dan, here we go. Uh, so I've only got one film left to discuss. Um, I don't think it's going to be any surprises. But it's uh, uh, Black Panther. Okay. Which is just, it's awesome. Just for so many reasons. I just think, A, we're getting a Black Panther film. Again, shows you how successful the MCU films have been in general at yep. that point. Um I really love how it looks. I love the whole like Afrofuturism design throughout Wakanda. Um, I love that the the opening sequence is set in the nineties. In yeah. uh, is it Compton? It's LA, uh, isn't Oakland. It? I'm sure Oakland. it's Oakland. That was it. Yeah. Um, uh, give I me a whole movie it. of that. Give me a yes, give me a, absolutely. Yeah. Movie set in Oakland in the early nineties. Yeah. So uh, it did make me feel a bit old that the um, flashback set in the nineties of. <laughs> Well, Black Panther. The, I was like, oh, oh. the idea. I remember that, some uh, of that. Everyone, uh, you, know, us talking about the nineties is like everyone in the nineties talking about the sixties. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, enough for the podcast today. Um, fact, we, um, we, we've been watching uh, through the X Files recently, and there was a gravestone of a girl who died really young, and she died in she, she died at thirty. And she died in 1995 and was born in 1965. Yeah. And the idea of someone born in 1965 being 30 during my life just threw me completely. <laughs> Someone's going to have that conversation about our birth years soon I as know, well. it's horrible. I know. Well, I hope you enjoyed listening to the podcast, guys. <laughs> Think about your mortality. Um, but no, I really like the opening uh, flashback sequence because it's so unexpected, I think, for a Marvel film. 
to do that. Mm. Um, but it also, it, 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 it immediately feels like a uh, Ryan Coogler movie because you think about oh, uh, 100%, Fruit, like Fruit Bell Station and set in Oakland. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. Um, I think what really surprised me about Black Panther, which I wasn't expecting, was how much it, it scratched the James Bond itch that I like in films. Okay. Like, I was really surprised by how much of it felt a bit like a James Bond the spy movie. specifically in South Korea, where they go to, like, the hidden casino. Yeah, yeah so yeah. cool. They're doing the lap of the room is absolute James Bond. Yeah, absolutely. And not even the stuff with the car, and you've got um, Shuri building his gadgets and yeah. guiding him through the field and stuff sometimes, like, with the remote control car and stuff. And all that stuff felt very... um. um yeah, quite James Bondy, which I really enjoyed seeing those elements put into a completely different context. Um, and I think the other thing is I really appreciated that uh, um, Killmonger, he doesn't cheat to become uh, King of Wakanda. Yeah. He defeats Black Panther in a fair fight. And he's also, mm. I think, maybe the best thing in the film. I fucking love Michael Jordan in that role. Yeah, like, he... He is absolutely well. Maybe Andy Serkis might be a more subtle actor. But, um. <laughs> Did you guys hear that story about um, the teenage girl who actually like broke her braces watching Black Panther? Because every time, yes. uh, yeah. every time he came up on screen, she would basically be like, like couldn't control top off and stuff. Yeah, she couldn't like, control yeah. basically how first she was for him, and she actually snapped her braces and had to go get them repaired. What? Yeah, yeah. a first snapped. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Snap, yeah. Michael but, B. Jordan heard about it and he paid for them to be repaired. Yeah. Uh, what boy? This he, is when he became like primo he's man. He's a handsome it, man as well. He's like, yeah. oh, oh, I'll say this straight away. He is a very good looking man. He had me questioning <laughs> myself a lot of that film. In, everybody in that film is good looking, I would say. I mean, across yeah. the board with Marvel. But like, you've got Lupita Nyong'o as well uh, yeah. in that film. And she's, she's brilliant in that film as well. I just think she's amazing. Yeah. Uh, it's just a Martin really Freeman. Martin Freeman as well. Yeah, well, it's really cool because like, uh, he's, he's fantastic for his age. His character is an absolute <laughs> sleazebag in um, in Civil War, but actually yeah. he becomes like, you know, oh, I quite like this dude by the end of Black Panther. He he and, reminds me a lot of Felix Leiter, like the American agent. Who, yes, you know you have to begrudgingly work with. <laughs> like as soon as you said James Bond, I was like, oh, that's where I've been thinking got, about it's it. It's also got those Shakespearean aspirations, right? It, it's like a, it's a superhero mm. adaptation of Hamlet, effectively. Yeah, yeah. Um, I also just like all the visual styling of it and the way that you can differentiate between the different tribes. There um, is, yeah. There's one yeah. thing the, the in cast it, is though. Actually, the cast, actually, the CGI I was going to say, real quick, is absolutely insane if you actually just look at some of the names in there. Like... Because Daniel Kaluuya is in there. Daniel Kaluuya is in there in like a supporting role. He's not even like lead villain. Like he has a bit of a heel turn, but like he's a Koye's um, a partner, isn't isn't yeah. he? Yeah, like that's yeah. the. Yeah, I, I mean, I know they obviously we can't not mention um, the kind of the very uh, unfortunate passing of. Um, sorry, my mind's gone blank. Chadwick Boseman. Yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah, uh, untimely passing Chadwick Boseman, Awful. and the fact that yeah. you, you you kind of then realise that while making this movie, he was also you know because he had been battling cancer for like a number of years, including sort of making that movie, and mm. it shows you just like what a real hero he was to kind of yeah. go through all of that in, in private with, that, with such dignity. Um, but uh, he, you know, it, this, this movie turned him into an absolute icon, right? Yeah, like 
the the way that this movie kind of resonated with people um and the fact that oh man you know you we're a few weeks away from the oscars and like two two of the cast of this movie are nominated for best actor and best supporting actor like it's nothing yeah. you know um it's absolutely incredible i know we're just talking a little bit about the future of the mcu after this but like obviously they said they're not going to recast black panther could you guys imagine a world where daniel uh actually ends up becoming for what reason or another the next black panther it, I could see that. He's, kind of, he's kind of becoming okay. like he's a big enough star, right? And you yeah, can have an interesting they're all redemption. SNL last week. You can have an interesting redemption arc for him. Like he yeah, also might but, be one of the best actors in the world right now. Like he's absolutely yeah. incredible. But I, I yeah. really appreciate they're not recasting um, Charlie Boseman's character yeah. name. I've forgotten what his name is now. T'Challa. 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 I think they're going to go the Shuri route. Personally. I was thinking that as well because. Um, but even that's where I went she's in the comics. She's a well, very um, well loved character in the mm. movies. And she's also, again, that's another actress that's in this film and then just absolutely has taken off because she's also in, mm. she's brilliant in um, uh, Small Axe, the Steve McQueen short, um, Steve McQueen series of films that he did on BBC recently. Um, the only thing I will say against the Black Panther film, because I think it's a brilliant film, I, I love it, but the, the fight at the end, like the CGI fight when they're both in their suits. It looks mm, like on the garbage. Line, but it's just, it's just. I, a, I just a don't know mess. why they got rid of the practical suit that looked incredible with yep. the like panther necklace, yep. like incredible mm. looking suit. And, and I they think had with that, what like, a, weave on it. Yeah, and I think with what a good job we did with their first fight, being like obviously without the suits and just in front of that waterfall and stuff. I think it made it even more noticeable when they switched to. Yeah, you know, the two of them sort of battling on. Um, like a dark tunnel and yeah, stuff. Yeah, it, it feels, it feels it's a bit it's, messy. Again, because you, know, you talk about the Afrofuturism in the movie and like, you know, it's, 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 a very, it's a very underrepresented area of like science fiction. It was amazing mm. to see that in, uh, in the movie. And then when you get to like the big finale and yeah, it's, it happens in the dark, right? Yeah. It's, so especially it's like, such it, a vibrant film before, apart from that. I think, mm. If you think about how awesome it looks in like Wakanda, like why could you not have it like in right bang in the middle of Wakanda? Obviously, budget mm. issues and mm. stuff like that, but and making the CGI look better by not having it in broad daylight. Exactly, and it also fun. falls on the trope of the hero fighting an evil version of himself as well. Yeah, yeah. It, it loses yeah. me. So I think, so I I think it's a good movie, and I, there's loads of stuff in it that I I really really do love, and I think when mm. it's when it's on its game it's some of the the best stuff and there's some like real subtleties they've put into it they're just fantastic but i think as a whole it probably ranks it's kind of in the middle for me it's like yeah okay cool similar yeah um and i think that that end bit just undoes so much of the hard work and the tension that they bring into that final meeting you know for me mm. anyway i know obviously they had to um i think they had to rush the digital production on that last bit and it definitely feels that way mm. which is a shame but good film yeah, yeah absolutely think, really think, enjoyed it i think a huge part of it is like how you know that certain elements uh, how much they kind of connect with you like like the afrofuturism and stuff like that like um i think if uh, if that clicks then the movie can like really skyrocket for you and yeah. um same with like uh i know like a lot of cast like the dad from um us is also in this Sterling Winston Brown. Brown. Winston yeah. Brown. Yeah. yeah, yeah, oh, right, yeah, Winston no, yeah, they, yeah. I, yeah. Thought you, I thought you meant this is us, not oh. us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, 
Sterling K. Brown's at the start, isn't he? Yeah. In the flashback. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely wasted in that movie. Why give him two minutes of screen time? What a fantastic actor. Yeah, but then again, everybody, I mean, it's a flashback, so you probably struggle a bit, but everybody's on like multiple film contracts in these yeah. movies. Like mm. almost to the point of like background extras will probably, not all of them, but a lot of them will have. Throw, throw Sterling K. Brown in Captain Marvel 2. There we go. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Quite, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is that are there? And if we got any outstanding nominations, I still got three. No, <laughs> one. I got one. Uh, my um, my number three. We've already talked about my number one, which is Homecoming, mm-hmm. and my two, which is Ragnarok. But my number three is uh, Avengers Endgame. Actually, sorry, I'm swapping. Avengers Endgame is two, and Ragnarok is three. The details very. I'm important. just ignoring everyone else's. <laughs> uh, no team. Mike, because I was going, my number one is a double bill of Infinity War and Endgame. Like, to me, that is the ultimate Marvel experience. I know it it's slightly obvious because it mm. is like, it's the culmination of uh, those 20 movies. It's everything, movies. isn't it? It's but the character it, moments for everyone. It mm-hmm. ticks every single box. Like, the, these to me are like my ultimate feel good junk food movies. hundred uh, percent. I've watched from hungover so many times. Yeah. yeah. But, but Not in the on, last year. On, but... on a Sunday I put on Infinity War and then once I watch it, like, well now I have to watch Endgame. It's just a matter yeah. of fact. The same way that when you start watching you start watching Fellowship of the Ring, you're like, well, I have to see <laughs> yeah. I don't have a choice. But just such but in, signs in many of ways, confidence c- c- as well. Civil War is kind of like the mm. movie I watched beforehand. It's like the little prelude. So Civil War is basically like my fellowship. After that, it's Two Towers and Return of the King. Like that yeah. is like my that's my superhero Lord of the Rings trilogy for you. I mean, um, you've got the Hobbit, which is Batman versus Superman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, j- just to run through the rest of my top five, just to make sure we can't cover all these movies. Um, yeah, number two for me was Civil War. Number three was Thor Ragnarok. Four was Gord- Guardians of the Galaxy. Gordon's the Galaxy. Uh, <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy and five was Spider Man Homecoming. Um, Lewis, what was your complete top five? Oh, got, dear, I, ca- I can't remember, man. Now. I can't remember. It was uh, I've, Doctor I've Strange's like... accent, Thor: Dark World, Iron Man Two, <laughs> Incredible Hulk. Yep. Uh, God. The the nineties Captain America film. <laughs> the Hasselhoff uh, Nick Fury Agent of Shield movie. Yeah. Love that movie. So I think mine are in absolutely no order. <laughs> Spider Man. Do you know what? Fuck it. Spider Man: Far From Home. I'm all. I, I want to throw that in as well. I need to give it an honourable mention. Excellent movie. Because. I love anything to do with Mysterio in the comics or the old yeah. cartoons or anything is great. And I really didn't know how they would pull it off. Cause I know they've got a bit fruity with some of the old space business in these films. And I thought, okay, I've got absolute faith. They're going to do Mysterio well. And he just did it perfectly. Love Jake Gyllenhaal. It was Lair upon Lair, Lair, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, again, they, they, they almost have as good a reveal. The only, the only thing is that they have as good a reveal, I would say almost, as opening the door on prom night when yeah. uh, basically we're in the bar and it's like, okay, unseen and they do the big so up round the floors, right? And then it, they also got all the actors back that were yeah, like bit exactly. parts in all those yep. scenes. Like the bit part guy that Obadiah Stane shouts yep. at in Iron yeah. Man. That was such a funny reveal. And we finally get to see, we finally get to see Tom Holland, Spider-Man, swinging through Manhattan for like a couple of seconds, which was the most exciting thing. Yeah. And then J. Jonah Jameson, and then actually doing the, the classic um, comic book 
thing of everything that happens to Peter Parker is awful all the time. He <laughs> just, just cannot catch a fucking break. <laughs> like, yeah, he's literally yeah, he's he, he's Spider Man. He's in New York. He's with MJ. Like yeah. it literally can't get any better for him. I love he drops her off from swinging, and she's like, "Never, I'm never doing that again." <laughs> <laughs> So I'll give that um, Ragnarok, Guardians of the Galaxy, Winter Soldier, um, and I think that was all of them. Yeah. Mm. Um, Sam, uh, I think we've kind of gone through most of yours. Was there anyone that we'd missed out? No, no, we've talked about them all. So it was uh, Ant-Man at five, uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, sorry, Um, Civil War at four, uh, Ragnarok at three, Endgame at two, and Homecoming at one. That's a good list. And uh, Dan, um, what were your t- was your top five again? Sorry, uh, it was Winter Soldier, Ragnarok, Black Panther, uh, Guardians, and Spider Man. Um, if we were, do- I don't know why. Well, I'd probably put Endgame in over Guardians if I was thinking of those ones. That's um, your definitive sure. written stone. Yeah, Listing. that's it now. Exactly. You know me. I love I love making lists. I love to rank things. Calcified. Uh, yeah, my my taste never changed, which is nice. Uh, and then we send this. But, we, as usual, we will be sending this episode of the podcast to uh, the U.S. Congress archives. So you are mm-hmm. completely on record. Is that done? Yeah, I, I've also yeah. been sending every episode to Kevin Feige as well. And but this one's finally <laughs> relevant, so I'm sure. This one. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, we'll, be, I'm going to send it to Zack Snyder. <laughs> we, I guess yeah, we'll we'll, we'll cover it on main event, but. Infinity War Endgame, right? Um, I, I've almost had like a post these movies like um, downer in that nothing quite excites me the same way but the MCU because mm. how can you top that? You know, all those characters finally coming together on screen uh, and also, yeah, an amazing villain in Thanos. Just, Endgame is just so much payoff. It's such a confidence, confident move to make that film knowing that everyone's seen 21 other films at the time. Yep. It, it, it's astonishing. Half that film doesn't work if you haven't seen, the, you know, what it's referencing. Let's um, let's talk about how seeing Infinity War at midnight and getting everyone snapped away at three a.m. Uh, <laughs> on a Thursday night. Did that traumatize uh, you? I was, I was honestly like not traumatizing, but like such a such a confident move. And I was like, oh well, there's like half an hour of this film left, right? where they snap everyone back and then something else happens in the yeah. next movie. And then they're just like, and it's done. And Thanos will be back. Yes, that was the best bit. Thanos will return. Was when, when, yeah. they, when they started, when they announced the movie, they, they announced it's Infinity War part one and part two. Yes. Uh, then they walked that back and said, okay, first one's going to be Infinity War. The second one is going to be... Yeah, they said it was standalone. So I was like, oh, yeah, okay. Else. Very so, smart move. So I'd be I'd watching these trailers and obviously in the trailers, the big Wakanda battle was like, was a huge sort of focus point of them. And I knew, okay, cool. He's got the gauntlet by then. I figured he was going to come to Earth straight away. He was going to snap, do the snap and that the movie would be about them trying to get everything back and everything would be mm. resolved by the end of that movie. And then I'm watching the film, and I'm so into it, and I'm losing track of time. I'm just loving every single minute of it. Yeah. Uh, that we then get to the final battle in Wakanda, and Thanos turns up, and I'm kind of like, wait, no, fuck. I, I knew, <laughs> I, that's when I knew where it was going to end. I was like, oh, my fucking God, they're going to end this on a cliffhanger, aren't they? Um, 
to wait a whole year. Yeah, I had to wait yeah. a whole with year. Like one like... trailer and four photographs officially released for that yeah. whole year. It, it just, <laughs> should have gone uh, for the head. Yeah, just oh, utter anxiety. Um, Rocket Raccoon asks for Winter Soldier's arm. Gonna get that arm. It's like, oh, I'll get that arm. I um, yeah, for returning to Earth. It's that's just, um, just so incredible good. but he's also got remember the, just, he's got the hammer uh, and he just smashes everybody but also but, um, the scene yeah. where he like interacts with the guardians after they rescue him is like maybe three of the best minutes of comedy very funny in yeah. that whole hilarious franchise. chris pratt trying to deepen his voice to be more authoritative <laughs> as a captain james gunn wrote those scenes and he picked the music choice so like rubber band man um, playing over that scene he he specifically picked it to be it's like well this is going to be on so it's on the Guardians Volume 2 soundtrack I think or something uh, like that okay that's really smart cool. doesn't Drax describe uh, 4 as being uh, is it a cross between a pirate and an angel or yeah. something yeah. like that yeah yeah. he says no he, he's got he is a man at that point yeah, <laughs> my, like, yeah you're, you're, you're one sandwich away from being fat <laughs> but, yeah my, um, my main memory of Endgame was obviously we went to see it at the fancy cinema in uh, showcase like the one with the yeah that was you know fancy. my main awesome. bit I think I hit Jim about four times yeah. throughout the film <laughs> I mean, the main one I got really excited to punch you in the arm was when uh the hammer starts to lift. Yep. And then Captain America picks up the hammer and starts oh, using it. That's, that's uh, the moment, isn't it? it? Honestly, it was the best. I think everyone lost their mind at that yeah, point. It, and, and also when I knew he was going to say Avengers Assemble as well, I got so excited yeah. about that. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm watching that at 3am with Johnny Dibble, me and him, sat in the, sat in the cinema <laughs> and like you see the hammer lift up and I'm like, oh, and then when you heard On Your Left from yeah. Sam, I was yep. just like... Just, I, I, I was fully so expecting Captain America to die before the credits rolled. I was like, well, if there's going to ever be a character who, Similar, make, yeah. who makes a sacrifice, it's going to be Captain America again. Mm. And we've already got Winter Soldier. We've got we've got Falcon. Okay, we're going to get to that you know passing of the shield. Mm. Um, so I figured, yeah, he would he would bite the bullet. He would face off against uh, you know uh, Thanos and crew on his own. Probably end up dying. And then the rest would kind of come and, you know, sing like that. Um, obviously, it doesn't quite play out like that. Yeah. But there was like the movie constantly subverted my expectations. And they're very clever with the marketing and how they did like the slightly doctor trailers. So yeah. you didn't actually see uh, like all of the characters who were going to be in they the hid, movie um, in various places. They um, hid Fat Four as well, didn't they? Yes. yes. They hid yeah. Fat yeah. Four. They hid um, and Thor's as well. eye in the Ragnarok trailers. So all the Ragnarok trailers, he's got two eyes. Oh, and then yeah. all the Infinity yeah. War trailers, he's got huh. an eye patch. Mm. Even though halfway through Infinity War, he gets, gets a new an eye. eye. Back, yeah. <laughs> Um, so lots of little details like that um, the fact that I think they were really smart with Endgame as well to kind of bring it back with the exception of Ant-Man really but they kind of bring it back to like the original Avengers right yep um, very clever way of like having to like not write you know, just a bookend it isn't yeah, it yeah 50 characters as well at that point all <laughs> kind of like trying to work things out together but yeah the way it bookends the franchise is absolutely fantastic like that and another great thing about it as well is that like I've I've mentioned it to you guys, I really I get so bored now where everything builds up to a big CGI fight and there's just no gravity to anything and it's just a bunch of like seizures on the screen and it's like oh good this yes this is a migraine. Um, Boy, have I got a movie for you? <laughs> Four hours long. <laughs> but um, they, they they this there was weight to everything. There was actually 
the mm. the battle wasn't just people punching each other in the face. There was a story, right? You had like uh, almost like the fucking American football with the gauntlet. You were trying to you were trying yeah. to achieve an objective as part of this. It wasn't just a fight to have a fight. Everything a made sense. It, to go back to a wrestling allegory, it's like a Royal Rumble. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, mini yeah. stories within you a bigger have story. Everyone in the ring, and there's like there's, there's the objective, which is the last man standing, uh, or you know, to get the glove. How um and also how do you get eliminated from a Royal Rumble? Oh man, what? so you they never be, mention it in the commentary. You have, you have to be thrown <laughs> over the top rope, and we'll get right. this. Both feet must touch the floor. Right. So what if, if I'm over the top rope and only one foot touches the floor? You're not eliminated. You can can skip, I still get myself back? You skin the cat back in. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. carry on. That's really good mm. to know, though. But because the wrestlers are so strong when they throw each other out, they just go straight over the rope straight away because obviously um, they're trained to do this and they yeah, do it every they're, they're, year. they're big boys and girls, aren't they? Anyway. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but like it, is like it is basically like a Royal Rumble, right? Um, where you've got all of like... In the Royal Rumble, you have lots of little mini stories as the fight goes on, right? And lots of different rivalries. And you get that within the uh, final showdown in Endgame, right? You've got... Um, Cap being like worthy of the hammer and getting like the whole team back and naturally saying Avengers Assemble and being the leader of all of these heroes. You get the Tony Stark Spider Man reunion. Yep. Uh, you get like. And he hugs him. Yeah, and he hugs yeah. him. And he hugs Peter. Exactly. Oh. You get, um, get Star Lord and, and Gamora. Peter goes, This is nice. <laughs> <laughs> you, you get, um, get Star Lord and Gamora uh, kind of like reunited, obviously, but she has zero recollection of if it's yep. happened because we're talking to like a one from another dimension at this point, another reality. Um, but yeah, you get all of those great little mini stories. You get like the, um, I, was, I don't want to sound um, slightly uh, dismissive or reductive, but like you get like the girl power moment, right? Where you get all of like the female yeah. characters together and stuff. Um, Which I fucking, get- I fucking love that scene. I know morons have an issue because women. Uh, I really like it as well. I love it. And, um, my yeah, girlfriend. It's really cheesy in a good way, I think. My girlfriend always gets super excited about that scene. Yes. It, yeah. it's, I think it's one of those things where, unfortunately, people don't necessarily realise that not everything in these multi-billion dollar making blockbusters that are loved worldwide is for you. Yeah. Oh, different people yeah. like different stuff in that movie. <laughs> uh, so we that, could I mean, do a whole podcast on that. Yeah, uh, but yeah, the, the way it all, and also the fact that it ends with obviously I am Iron Man, which they had to go and do in post because they didn't think to do stupid. Unf- How do you not put that in there? A but member it, of a crew thought of it, didn't they? I can't remember yeah. who it was. One of the editors, maybe. Probably the Pat Patson mm. of the. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but the fact that it, but it all, but it all tie, it all ties back into the first Avengers movie, where Cap says like, "You'll never, will you ever actually be the guy who's going to make like." The major play, like the life, layers life on the line, layers life on the line for everyone yeah. else. Um, do you know that one of the lines that they tried in that was him just saying "fuck you"? <laughs> <laughs> I, I would have loved that. That's the cut we need. Release the "fuck you" cut. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I love the way, also, by the way, that Thanos sit at the very end. So I just wanted to come things about Thanos. I wanted to say one amazing villain. Yep. Two. Yep. Thanos' is right stuff is bullshit. He's the mad fucking tyrant. He's a psychopath. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's no it's way. Insane. And also, it's been scientifically proven that if you have, like, a massive reduction in population, that it grows back and triples and doubles and quadruples in a small number of years, yeah. i.e. post-World War II. So his he could have just made everything bigger, couldn't he? Fucking bullshit. Um, however, I love the way that uh, they built his character up and he does almost come across as, like, empathetic, or at least not if empathetic engaging and charismatic yep. 
Like, yeah. you want to learn more about him. And I think that's the greatness of having Josh Brolin play him. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Um, and the fact that he beats up the Hulk within the first two minutes, so you know... But the majority but, of what he does is no, he's outsmarting people constantly. That is yeah. my only yeah. thing about those two films. You don't get any good Hulk moments, really. You get the really funny stuff where he's, um, you know... Uh, Professor Hulk. Professor Hulk. Yeah. And that stuff's amazing with the taco and the kids in the cafe and stuff. <laughs> but you don't get with any... Taco. You don't get any... Because one of the most triumphant moments in the first Avengers film is Hulk coming to New York in mm. the final battle. And yeah. All that stuff is just phenomenal. And then... I'm always angry. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And like punching... Uh, or after they're fighting, grabbing Loki and smashing him. Like, <laughs> you just don't get any good... Like, in terms of that, like good Hulk moments in... Uh, Infinity War or in um, Endgame, which is a bit of a yeah. In Endgame, shame. he's knocked out for the final battle, isn't he? Because he's used the gauntlet. Yeah, he's in a sling and stuff. He fights a bit, back. but he's not like a yeah. He's not a major player. But for like big, powerful characters, though, in that final battle, when they all the cannons suddenly on the ship start firing into the sky because oh, Captain Marvel so cool. is coming back in. That's like how you do Superman, yeah. right? Like that's yeah, that's yeah. awesome. <laughs> Where she like casually introduced herself to. Peter Parker as well. It's hey, Peter weird Parker. That she, she made yeah. that before she'd even done the uh, Captain Marvel movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. I love um I love the bit where they're, they're like, oh Carol, are we gonna see you like in the briefing at the very beginning of Endgame? She's like, no, things are fucked up in space too. Yeah. Like I have yeah. stuff to do. <laughs> the character moments and the hilarity of that movie, like it's such a dour beginning with like Tony and Nebula. Um, die, yeah. starving and it starts, it starts with Hawkeye's family getting dusted <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then realising that Thanos can't be stopped and they just decapitate yeah. him and then you get I think my favourite joke in that, that film that blew my mind as well I was like yep and he just comes to five years later doesn't it yeah, yeah. Um, my favourite joke in that film is just it's a really simple one but it's just uh, Captain America avoiding the fight by whispering uh, Hell Hydra <laughs> uh, <Excellent. laughs> into someone's ear. Uh, it's just, with the briefcase, it's just so good. Wonderful. What a way to end, uh, end the, well, I say end the franchise, but because we've not had really any of those post-Endgame movies yet, or like the slate of them, and Black Widow feels, again, maybe like a, another a slight epilogue as well. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if, and same also with... One division and Hawkeye and Soldier because they're continuations of those character stories. It feels like we've not quite kicked into gear the next phase of the MCU. Give me Shang Chi. Give yeah. me Tony yeah. Lung. I, I feel like Falcon and Winter Soldier is is doing is is the next phase. Like that and One Division are like this is where we're going from here. We're doing like these more character focused stories mm. before we give you guys a big bad. Um, I assume that the big bad's going to be somebody like Doom or something like that. Just give, give me Doom. But, uh, Just give me Doom. Doom or Galactus. Give me Doom and go to hell. Yeah. My hope would be Doom and Galactus, and then in the end, Doom joins up with the Avengers to fight Galactus. That's like my galaxy <laughs> hope. Give me then, that. Give me the Council then, of Reeds. Then it ends with future Franklin Richards coming back in time to say, no, you can't kill Galactus. He's an important part of the universe. And oh, God, together. we can't get into this. Right. This well, I think so... Um, <laughs> Yeah, we, I, we we're going to do another podcast on um, on the TV, the TV shows, stuff. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Disney Plus. But Sam, it's it's been really, really, really great having you. So please tell everyone where they can uh, check out more of your business. Um, the the best place to find me is on Twitter, where I tweet a lot of random bullshit, but also uh, any like articles and stuff that I write. So uh, my Twitter is at sgch. It's just my initials. 
Um, and you can listen to uh, Comic Book Fix uh, when we come back from our hiatus. We've been recording throughout the entire hiatus period, and so we're going to be just uh, uploading stuff as and when. Um, but uh, this week we're actually doing a, a review of Tarnahisi Coates' Captain America run, first the first third of it, um, like as a special episode. Cool. And uh, Sweet. in today's issue of Captain America, the Red Skull quotes Jordan Peterson. So it's such a beautiful thing to see happen. I, <laughs> I love it. That feels incredibly appropriate. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. It's, it's been great having you, man. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. And thank you guys so, so much for listening. I hope you've, uh, you, you've allowed us a little space again to nerd out because I think we keep doing this and we're going to yeah. keep doing it. So this entire absolutely. podcast is nerding out. It's either dumb stuff or it's just nerding out. Absolutely. Yeah. And if you <laughs> if you enjoyed what you've heard, the best thing that you can do for us is to recommend it to a friend. Um, we really, really want to hit 10,000 plays this year. I think we could do it by the end of the year. We got a good enough amount of time left, but we can't do it without you. So please share it with a friend. Leave us a five-star review, ideally on iTunes. You can leave us whichever review you want, but ideally a five-star would be great. Mm. Uh, you can contact us as well. Let us know your thoughts. Let us know what you're looking forward to from the upcoming MCU Phase 5, I think, is the next one. Phase yeah four i four? think it's four okay yeah i'm getting i'm seeing i'm seeing four fingers all right <laughs> it's phase four let us know what you're looking forward to most from that and you can contact us directly via slowly rock at gmail.com we're on twitter where we are at slowly rock we are on instagram where we are at slowly rock podcast we're slowly rock you can google it <laughs> and we'll probably come up yeah. yeah but guys this this has been loads of fun and i'm probably Whatever you do do not listen to slowly we rot the obituary album. They went back in time <laughs> using, using the pin particles and they stole yeah. our name. Bastards. <laughs> but thank thank you guys so much. And Sam, once again, thank you so so much for joining yeah. us. Thank you very much, mate. It's been yeah. a pleasure. Thanks, guys. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Sam. May the force be with you. Oh that's fine, Kurt. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. Oh, that was great. 